0: Hello there and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. I'm glad that you've taken time out of your day to download our podcast in your busy schedule and that you will listen to it. We ask and hope and pray that you would tell others about us, that you would be encouraged and edified and God would be glorified. We're going to try to answer some questions today from listeners just like you. And this one comes from Susan. Uh, she did not tell us where she's from. I don't recall anyway. But anyway, uh, open your Bible and please follow along. I would encourage you to do that. It, you can follow us. Uh, more information about us, request for prayers, uh, your questions to be answered through the podcast. You can do all of that through biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase, all one word. And I frankly get an email, why biblical question, why are you using that? Well, the short answer really is, I had many questions about the Bible years ago, and every time I would go ask a, a religious leader or priest or whoever, pastor, what those things meant, uh, they really either didn't have an answer, they were just honest about it, or they just said, look, you don't need to worry about that, uh, that's not important and you need to let me interpret the Bible for you and whatnot. Well, that probably was the wrong thing to tell, tell me because uh, that's going to make me go look and search even harder. And so I just claim to be a Christian. I just claim to be following Christ and doing uh, the best that I can to tell others about Him. It is the Holy Spirit who plants the seeds and gives the growth. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just trying to help uh, broadcast a message. And so, anyway, Susan asked this question, Please explain Job chapter 5 verse 19 to me, and about all the troubles. What are uh, they referring to? So, uh, again, Susan, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast, uh, and that you downloaded, you made a comment in your email, you listen to it a lot, and thank you, I appreciate that. I'm not sure where you're from, you didn't state in your email, but again, it's okay. So my best answer to this is you're referring to Job uh, chapter 5, verses 17 through 27. And Job and his friends were kind of sitting around in the circle, and they're having this discussion. And one of his friends, uh, Job's, uh, begins to, to tell Job that God protects and shields the righteous from all their dreaded dangers and fears and whatnot. And since Job is suffering so much, it must be a sign that Job is not living a righteous life. And so his friend goes on to tell him that he should allow the discipline of the Lord to bring him into repentance for his sin. And that Job really needs to stop complaining about all this. Well, and Job, he he will maintain his, uh, he hasn't sinned. He's going, he he does. He he continuously uh, denies any sinful acts that he's done. In fact, if you read uh, the book of Job, uh, these events probably really took to- place somewhere in the book of Genesis in that time frame. But, you know, Job is very clear. He worries about his children. He worries if they're serving the Lord or not. He makes sacrifices and offerings to God on their behalf. It, it's so it, it seems like Job... Uh, is a pretty sincere, God-fearing man. And, you know, Satan and God have had a discussion in the book of Job. God uh, knows Job was not going to betray him. He's not going to turn him down. He's not going to walk away from his faith. And Satan says, oh yeah, I bet you I can make that happen. And so this kind of goes on in the book of Job. And of course at the end... uh, God is right because God is always right, and Satan ends up losing this discussion, and uh, Job will end up being blessed even further uh, than he was before. And that's not to say that Job uh, just jumped up and down with joy to have sores all over his body and, and cover himself in ashes, and you know, even his wife at the time she says, curse God and die." You know, uh, we we need obviously to have faithful spouse, we need to have good friends around us to be honest with us, but we also uh, need them to be encouraging as well. And uh, your spouse should know if uh, you've really been sinning or not, I would think. Most uh, of us would know what's going on with our spouses most of the time. And, and these words, six troubles, uh, that you kind of alluded to in your um, email, he, he he will deliver you. Okay, that that's really what that this that this uh text is about here, job, and even and even seven uh be evil will not touch you it, the numbers and the statement are given in a poetic phrase, and is not to be taken as comprehensively I would encourage you to read proverbs chapter six verses sixteen through nineteen i I'm only going to paraphrase it here, so but you can go turn there if you want, and those. Are sex things that God hates? And he says, no, seven things that God hates. And he has a list that he will uh, talk about that he hates. And so there there is, of course, no limit to the kind of problems known to mankind and no limit to help that God uh, can and will provide. The figure seven simply implies that God will always be there for us and no matter what. And so... Uh, I know in our culture, uh, we uh, are really taught by a lot of TV evangelists and whatnot, even the local pulpits, that God doesn't hate anybody. He loves all things. Well, that's, that's not necessarily true, but it's also they don't understand what the word hate means in the original text uh, of the Bible. Uh, it just really means that God rejects those things. And we need to reject the things that God rejects. And we need to love the things that God loves. And well, we would be much further along in our in our walk with the Lord. Again, thank you for your question. I hope this helps. Uh, kind of give you a, a little bit of direction. And then if you have more questions, please feel free uh, to email me. Okay, our next question comes out of Chicago. And uh, Anthony, he writes... Uh, his question I have an adult son who was raised a Christian but now he proclaims to be an atheist Uh, how can I help him as his father even though he is now an adult to help him get back to the truth uh, of Christ well Anthony thank you for listening this is a tough one your heart must be really broken and over your son's uh, departure of of the faith, the Christian belief, and and I'm sorry that this has happened to you. I don't know if I really have a clear answer for you, but I'm just going to try to recommend a couple of things to you. I would pray for him every day, all day. Uh, Maybe do some fasting as well while you're praying about this. Ask, Ask God to heal his heart and to make an available uh, situation where people of good faith would have a good influence on him and his heart and his decision. And if that's not you, it, maybe it's somebody else at work or wherever he, he might be. I would definitely continue to show your love for him and your concern uh, for him and his condition of salvation. Uh, I would not nag at him, though. I would not uh, constantly be the only thing I talked about with him. I would definitely make it clear, again, that you're not condemning him, but uh, you're just worried about him. Uh, Strengthen your own faith in God uh, through faithful worship, through prayer, uh, Bible study, Bible readings. Join a small group of people. Uh, I know with the, the COVID thing going on, a lot of churches uh, are only filling up about halfway. Some of them have closed. and But a lot of people are actually meeting in their homes. And I, I hope that that's a good thing. I, I'm part of a home uh, church uh, situation right now. And we just sit around and we read the Bible. We sing and, and, and uh, pray you know, do the Lord's Supper and whatnot, and so uh, find a group like that, maybe a small group like that. Maybe somebody in that group has experienced the same thing as you, and maybe they would have some advice for you on how to handle that, somebody you would know and trust, perhaps a church. It's really difficult for me to, to give any kind of great detail of guidance without Knowing more details about your son's reasons or excuses uh, for him becoming an atheist, uh, what reason or reasons does he give that that would lead him to question or doubt the existence of God? Uh, Does he blame somebody in particular for being hypocritical? Uh, Does he argue that God... uh, allows if he was really a living god why does he allow all the suffering uh, does he criticize the bible uh, maybe those would be clues to you to to try to figure out to how to help him overcome that i mean there's some really good studies out there uh, about church history there's some really good studies out there about uh, biblical evidences christian evidence uh, Maybe that's part of the problem. Uh, you know, I, I don't know which books, other than the Bible, uh, to, to point you to to help, but uh, maybe somebody in your church can give you an idea again. I, I certainly hope that God would bless you and uh, give you the peace and comfort that you truly need and something could be said uh, to help your, your son. Uh, we'll definitely be in prayer about that as well. Again, Anthony, thank you for listening. Uh, Be sure to to continue to listen. And and if I can help you in another way, I I will do my best. And uh, I'll try to email you. Okay, our next question comes from Mrs. Brown from Los Angeles. Thank you, Mrs. Brown, for your listening. And that uh, you had sent us a question. I appreciate that. And her question is, what is the difference between... One who has always been a Christian all their life, and that who is one that gets saved in their, in their final years of life. Well, again, thank you for listening, and I appreciate that. Uh, the final outcome to your question is the same. All have sinned, all have fallen short of uh, the glory of God. No one is good enough to be saved uh, by their own merit. Everyone is saved by the grace of God through his faith in Jesus. Uh, God does not really want anyone to be lost. And well, I would encourage you to read John 3:16 and seventeen uh, and in Romans chapter five, verses six through eight and second Peter uh, chapter three verses eight and nine. So, I'd like, like to go ahead and, and, and read one of those for you. Romans chapter 5, excuse me, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would hardly die for a righteous man. Through perhaps for a good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us. And that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, it does not, at first thought, really seem to be fair for someone who has lived their entire life as a Christian, gone to church every Sunday, they checked all their boxes, I guess, in their mind, they don't use profanity they're not drunk they they live a, they try to live a good life they try their best to reflect who who jesus is and then here comes somebody who uh has not done that and so it, it's i've seen this happen in, in in some congregations over the years where uh, somebody comes in the middle of their life and they they he's known as as the town drunk he's been a carouser, been married multiple times, and the Holy Spirit touches their hearts and their lives and somebody came along and and broadcast a message to them and they repented and and they uh they're now saved. They mean the who are we to question uh, who God says? That's we're all sinners. Uh, when we start thinking our sin is uh not as bad as somebody else's, all we're doing is comparing ourselves uh to uh that person or making ourselves up to be God. Um that's called secular secular humanism. It's a big long fancy word. But we're we're what we're really supposed to do if we read the Bible, we will see uh, our own sin, our own filth that needs to be cleansed by God. That there are several stories in many scriptures throughout the New Testament that that deal with the problem that, that you're brought up. And I think reading these would help you understand why God is fair in all his dealings with the lost. Uh, the following stories are actually told for the sake of the Jewish Pharisees who who were self-righteous and didn't think that sinners uh, should be saved. They, they didn't see themselves as sinners. They, they thought they had this holier-than-thou uh, type attitude. But there's a lesson here, again, for all of us. These are quick and easy to read and very well worth your time. And that would be the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 11. And then the parable of the workers, uh, Matthew chapter 20, uh, the first 16 uh, verses there. And uh, many people are familiar with Uh, the prodigal son, but not so many of the parable of the workers in Matthew. And Again, I'm just going to paraphrase this. You know, the guy owns a vineyard and he goes out every day looking for workers and he hires workers and this harvest is going on but he still feels like he needs more workers. So he goes out and he hires uh, more workers even on the last day of harvest. And on the last day after it's all been collected and and the, the product is sold the owner of, of the vineyard goes and pays these people and he pays them all the same and the people said hey look i work for you for x amount of days or weeks and i get the same pay as a guy that only worked a very short time a couple hours or a day and uh, that doesn't seem fair well jesus would say the owner of the vineyard says look uh, you agreed to work for a certain wage. You have received your wage, and that guy he agreed to work for a wage, and it was I paid him. And so, who are you? I own the vineyard. I can do what I want, basically. And so, I would encourage you to to read those. We should really, honestly, instead of begrudging people uh, who have lived a very simple lifestyle, it's very obvious. Um, perhaps they were atheist perhaps they were homosexual whatever and they they stop that lifestyle and they they obviously have made a change in their life and it's very obvious and that really probably couldn't happen without the Holy Spirit's guidance and so we should be excited that the the lost person that lost soul has repented and come into the light of Christ so We shouldn't feel that we're being cheated at all. We should be excited uh, for that person. Now, saying all this, um, there's an important point. Uh, The longer that we have to live as Christians, the more blessed we are, okay? Uh, I, I feel a little sad for those who come to Christ in the 11th hour type thing because they live most of their lives under the the devil's influence and they really were without spiritual blessings they they did not have the blessings uh that a child of god would have and so we we need to understand that too i think that's an important part so may god bless you in your study uh mrs brown may uh may you continue to study his word and i certainly hope and pray that the podcast has been encouraging to you and that you will continue to listen and like us and share us with your friends and your family. Again, thank you, Mrs. Brown. Okay, our next question comes from uh, Jan from Germany. Thank you, Jan, for uh, listening in. I appreciate that. And then I also thank you for sending in your question. Your question is, uh, is a seer of God or are they considered ungodly? Is the seer in the Bible the same today as the Old Testament? Well, it's an interesting question. Uh, In the Old Testament, the word seer was sometimes used instead of the word prophet. Uh, A few times, both words are used uh, for the same person. Uh, The following scripture here, I'm going to read it for you, uh, explains a seer was an, an old term in Israel's history and it was being changed okay so we have here first Samuel chapter 9 verse 9 it says formerly in Israel when a man went to inquire of God he used to say come and let us go see uh, go to the seer for he who was called a prophet now was formerly called a seer and so we've talked about this in other podcasts languages change just and uh, the meaning of those words sometimes change. And this would be one example. The the word seer is used occasionally today as someone who who tells fortunes of the future, But there is nobody today who is inspired by God to foretell the future. In fact, uh, I would think a Christian would stay away from those kinds of people, and I certainly wouldn't give my hard-earned money to somebody uh, to, to tell me, quote-unquote, uh, my future. Uh, God tells us about the future in his Bible, and uh, the future is Jesus will come again, and he will uh, judge the living and the dead, and there will be eternal life. That's the future uh, that God wants us to know about. And so anything else uh, of the future uh, is not important to us, I don't think, as a Christian. Uh, we we just need to focus on, on God and His Word. And I know there's today there are people who claim to be uh, prophets uh, or a seer. Uh, there's some on them our local radio here on Sunday mornings occasionally. Uh, they'll they'll say that uh, they are a prophet for God, and I'm always very careful with these people because if they're claiming they have a new message. Uh, something different uh, from God then that that's a warning sign I mean Jude uh, that little short book little letter right before the book of Revelation uh, makes it very clear there are no new uh, prophecies there's nothing uh, further uh, that God has given us all the information that we need and that uh, anybody coming and saying they, they have a new message uh, it's false it's a false teaching and so, we need to be aware of that. Now, I'll, I know some people who listen will probably email me and say, "Well, a prophet is somebody who spoke uh, for God," and yes, that's true. And so, but we need to understand too, prophecy or or the prophet did not always talk about always about things in the future. Uh, prophecy could be about something in the past that that person. had no knowledge of, there was nothing recorded about it, and yet uh, God gave them uh, that information and they used that uh, in their writing or their teaching. And here is an example uh, of something in the past of a prophecy, and it's found actually in the Gospel account where Jesus is on trial and he's being beaten here by the soldiers. And that's going to be found in, in Luke chapter twenty-two. Luke chapter twenty-two, and we're going to start at verse sixty-three. Now, the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him and beating him, and they blindfolded him and and were asking him, saying, "Prophesy, who is the one who hit you?" And they were saying this and many other things against him, blaspheming. Okay, so uh, who just hit you? Now, that may not be very far in the past, uh, but it is a past thing. It just it's, it's already been done and completed. And being blindfolded, you wouldn't know who hit you. So, uh, that is an example that the prophecy uh, about something in the past. And I'm sure there's others uh, we could find in the Scripture if you want to take time and dig through that. So, again, I, I thank you uh, for listening. We do have a few people About 25% or so of our audience is from Europe, and we appreciate that. And so I would uh, hope and pray that you'll continue to listen to us. I hope all of our listeners have enjoyed these questions and answers. Maybe they've encouraged you or uh, cleared up a question that maybe you had. And I hope and pray that you'll hit that like button and follow us. That's each week that we uh, release our podcast on Saturday, uh, Chicago time usually in the afternoon is when we release that. And so please tell others about us. And again, thank you for listening. May God bless you, and may He have the glory.